Luke 15, 1-2, and 11-32. It can be found on page 964 of the Bible's next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he decided he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the, that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the, his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because his brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The word of the Lord. I invite you to pray with me. Our God of grace, as we come into this place, we, um, we probably have all different kinds of things on our minds. And sometimes as we sit here, sometimes sitting in a church like this and hearing a, a story read is simply a, a chance for our mind to do more processing on things that we walked in here carrying um, baggage and burdens and issues and events of our life and, and we might sit and try to listen hard and then realize um, that everyone's saying thanks be to God and the reading is over and we were, our minds are just in our world thinking about the things we're dealing with. Some of us come with doubts about our faith or about any chance of having faith someday. Others of us come with 
um, joys, celebrations, things we're excited about. Uh, some of us come on sort of a, an endorphin high and others of us come on a, on a low. And wherever we find ourselves this morning, we're looking towards you now in this time that there's some, some gracious approach you might have towards us some insight that you might have that pierces through the clutter, the baggage, the events, the hurt, the pain, the tension, the angst, the anxiety, that you might make sense of our celebrations and you might make sense of our sufferings. Because we're more of a mess than we care to admit. but it's safe to come to you and to listen and to trust you because we keep hearing over and over again that even though we're more of a mess, more failed, more broken than we want people to know, that you move towards us with grace. That's the way you are. Help us to believe that we're here for a reason this morning, to hear something from you, to meet you, and for your grace to meet and to find us. Pursue us this morning until we are brought home. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I was reading this book by someone named Kevin DeYoung, and it's called Crazy Busy. Crazy Busy. Would you buy a book with that title? Crazy Busy. So he writes this book about busyness, kind of the problem of busyness. And he's clearly, as he writes it, he's carrying a busyness burden. He says, as long as I can remember, which takes us back eons and eons all the way to the 90s he says i have been busy in high school i ran track and cross country played intramural basketball did national honor society tried the spanish club took multiple ap courses played in our insanely time-consuming marching band sang in a musical and did church twice on sunday sunday school youth group and a friday morning bible study no one made me like this i wanted to do all these things he says he says, when someone asks me how I'm doing, my response always includes the word busy. It's got a busyness burden. I can think of several moments in just the past couple of months, he says, when I've muttered to myself, what am I doing? How did I get myself into this mess? When will I ever get my life under control? How long can I keep this up? Why can't I manage my time? Why did I say yes to this? How did I get so busy? I've bemoaned, my, I've bemoaned my poor planning and poor decision-making. I've complained about my schedule. I've put in slipshod work because there wasn't time for any other kind. I've missed too many quiet times and been too impatient with my kids. I've taken my wife for granted and fed important relationships with leftovers. I've been too busy to pursue God with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, I've likely been just like you, he says. So, Kevin, what's your next book project, my friends would ask. I'm doing a book on busyness. Really? But your schedule's a mess. This is one of your biggest problems. I know. That's why I'm writing a book. That's what he says. What burden do you carry with you this morning as you, as you come here? What's your burden? Do you have one? Can you think of something? Are you carrying something? Maybe you're walking around with an achievement burden and it defines everything you do. Achievement. Maybe you carry a mental illness burden. 
Maybe it's known by others, maybe not. Maybe you carry an abuse burden, and maybe that's a burden that you've been carrying for decades. I'm sure some of you this morning carry a political burden of one type or another, or a burden of the sufferings of this world as we hear about more deaths, uh, the death count rising in Haiti from the, uh, the storm. Maybe some of you, there's a good chance of this, some of you, if you're here this morning, you might carry a religious burden, religiosity, religion, following God, doing the right thing is a burden. Maybe some of you carry with you something very different. Maybe it's a secret burden. And part of why it's so heavy, it weighs so heavily on you, is because you're carrying it alone. No one else um, knows about it. Have I hit on any of your burdens yet? Have I gotten anywhere? There's more. There's other ones. Maybe, you're, maybe you're, you've got uh, a purpose burden. Finding your meaning. This is your burden. Finding your meaning. Maybe it's getting your career off the ground. Are you carrying a, uh, a loss burden? You're losing someone or something in your life unexpectedly. Some burden, it doesn't have to be anything I'm saying, but there's something out there, I'm sure, something in your life. We walk into this place, we walk around, and people don't see them. But, I, I, well, I, would, I, would say, I wouldn't even say that, because sometimes, sometimes you'll see someone and you distinctly get the sense with their, with their posture and with the way they even carry their shoulders that they're carrying something. It's like physically manifest in their, um, maybe in their their red, almost bloodshot eyes or their furrowed brow and creases. There's different signs that show us people are carrying burdens. I know that it's common. I know that it's, I know it's all of us because we, every year we start a group called Dive and we dive into our stories and the gospel and in taking risky ventures in faith and it's a nine-month group and we walk together closely and what do you know, but every year, everyone in Dive and it's happening, especially now as we close in on the last three months of this group, our current group of nine people, we're seeing burdens that we're carrying and we're starting to be real about that and we're starting to... to kind of realize we might be unnecessarily carrying stuff and how do we not do that anymore so here's what happens here's the problem you're carrying something it's weighing you down spiritually emotionally psychologically physically even and then someone comes to you some well-meaning person and says um Think about the needs. Think about the burdens of the people who live on the street. Think about the, your neighbors who are struggling. Think about this, this person in your life who has mental illness who you can help. Think about this, you know, and on and on and on. Think about the needs at, at City Life Church. Think about how you could sign up to help with the, the young people or the nursery or the teaching Sunday school next door. And, and new things are presented to you, good things, good ways to help, good ways to carry some of the difficult problems of the world. You know, you'll get, you get emails to donate to things and this and that and help. Part of the problem is 
we, we say, okay, yeah, okay, I'll try a little bit there, I'll try a little bit there. And there's a sense in which we find we can't really do that much or it's overwhelming or our heart's not in it. And we want to do much more than we can and I think it's part of it is just we're carrying so much on our backs already that we just can't, we don't have room left back here because of what we're carrying. We're weighed down. We're like the elder brother in the prodigal son story. The elder brother, he absolutely can't get on board with what's going on in the feast and the party for the younger brother. He just can't. He just can't. He's weighed down with a burden that he's carrying. Somehow, the loving and forgiving father can liquidate the resources for this party and just joyfully, lightly, freely enter into this joyful moment. And the elder brother's just looking at his father and saying, I can't, I can't do that. I cannot follow you into that party. And he's standing outside. He's carrying a burden. You know, the father's throwing caution to the wind and the elder brother's just like, no, I can't. I won't is more like it. Not just I can't, but I won't. He's carrying burdens. And you look at, you can see a little bit of what he's doing when you read verses 29 and 30. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never obeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. You can see him. What's he doing? He's, he's, he's tallying up the ledger sheet. That's his burden. He's got other, he's got, in a way, he's been able to be okay with what's gone down, just barely, and barely because he knows the son, this brother is out of the picture now. And that even if this brother came home, the insult has been so huge, and he's already cashed in all that he gets from this family, he can come home, he can come begging and crawling, but nothing's going to happen after what he's done. That's, the one, that's what's holding him in because the older brother now economically, according to this parable, the elder brother knows, okay, he's cashed out his inheritance. Now, everything, every ounce of energy I put into this family business and this family and this farm and everything, 100% of my effort comes back as profit, benefits me. And so he is on a, his burden he's carrying on his shoulder is one of, I'm going to make this life for myself. When that younger son, when that younger brother left, it sucked. It was horrible. We had to get together. I had to do all the work now. I had to, you know, it was, we had to liquidate things in order to give him his inheritance. It was horrible. The worst months of my life, the older brother would say, but it's going to be okay because now every, every piece of resources in this family now eventually comes to me. And then, you know, what's happening? The father's liquidating it. Most expensive piece of livestock. Ring. Coat. Meaning, he's back in the family. He's back in the wealth. Oh, man. That's a burden now that the elder son can't, he can't let go. He can't get it off his shoulders. And what would have to happen if he did? What would, happen, what, what would have to happen for your burden to get 
you know, you maybe have carefully strapped it, strap clamped it onto your back with years of straps and ropes and special knots that you've put in place to carry that burden, to make sure it's always there. What would have to happen? What would have to happen for the elder son to actually move into this party and be one who could carry the, now could move in and carry the economic burden of the younger brother being a part of the family again? What, what would have to happen? He would have to let go. He would have to let this burden off his shoulders and be carried. And that's the, that's the, that's the first thing that needs to happen with all of us, that, that you let Jesus relieve you of this burden that you're carrying, that you've walked in here this morning with, that you walk around everywhere with. There's something. Maybe it's a, there's just the burden of having to be someone, just having to prove yourself, validate yourself. What are you using to do that? That's a burden. That's a burden you don't need to carry, says the Father. And secondly, this is the cool part, is that once the burden, once you've been relieved by Jesus of the burden, then you can, you can become someone who's a burden bearer. Of, you can go in and relieve other people's burdens. You can free up others. A burden reliever. But the order is everything. The order is so important. If you're just going around and you've got your own baggage and burdens that, you're, that you are causing this angst in your life, and then you're also running around trying to hold the world up because there's so many good causes, you're going to get crushed. You're also going to, if, if it, let's talk about helping people with mental illness or homelessness or something like this, you're going to feel, it's going to be paternalistic if you haven't yet re- let your burden been relieved. You haven't let God take that off your shoulders. If you haven't approached God as one who also has a burden that needs relief, you need saving from. You're going you're gonna to always serve from a posture of strength to the weaker. And you're going to burn out. You're not going to, because you've got just too much you're holding up. So the first step, uh, first step is to stop carrying your unnecessary heavy load of being whatever it is, a do-gooder, an achiever, a socially progressive, saying yes, all the things. And when you do... Oh, when you do, the, the, the transformation that can happen. And you know what, how that transformation, you want a sign of it if, if you've let go of your burden and then let's say you're, when you look out and you see someone who lives on the street who's in just really hard times or is really difficult to deal with in your life, you look at them and you see yourself in them. You, you resonate. There's another needy person <laughs> like me. There's someone else who might have a burden that needs to be carried. Suddenly it changes. You don't see yourself as, well, you know, I can help others so that they can kind of help themselves and get to where I am. You say, ah, I'm just another beggar trying to show another beggar where to find bread. And, you know, before that happens, any, any entering in is always just this, there's this feeling of you never truly enter in if you've still got a burden on your shoulder. You never truly enter in with other people's sufferings. You have a sort of compassionate calculus that you're doing. Well, I, I can, I'll, I'll give a little money, I'll give a little, I'll, I'll volunteer this hour, but that's, I don't. Can you let Jesus do business with your unnecessary burden? That's really where this, that's where this today's look at the prodigal son story is. Can you let Jesus begin to do business? I can't tell you what that's going to look like. 
but I can tell you it's a universal issue. And, and God need, Jesus needs to start doing business. This is how Jesus put it in, in Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and, does anybody know the word? Heavy laden. That's a great translation. This says burdened, heavy laden. That's so good. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke upon you, or take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. Let God carry it. And then what? And then if you can begin to have that interaction with God, if he's starting to do business, relieving you of what's causing your angst and your drive, if he relieves you of that, new pathways open up, a new path, and it's the path towards being like a true elder brother. It's easy to find the path to be like the elder brother in the story, the, the path towards resentment and anger and uh, condescension. The path towards the... Who is it? What, am I, what do I mean, the true elder brother? Well, in this parable, I don't know if you noticed, but it's, we've skipped the two mini parables, the one about the lost coin and the one about the lost son. Or no, the one about the lost sheep and the lost coin. We skipped those, but we want to know what happened in each of those. There was a search for the lost item. Both parables, there's a search for the lost item. Then we get into the prodigal son story, and it's an elaborated story. It's a bigger story with all this personality to it. And what's missing? There's no search. There's no search. And you say, well, and, and, okay, so we're, we're extrapolating a little bit here. But that is a noticeable thing that's missing. So then you say, well, what's going on with that missing... Really what it's missing, if you think about the story, what's missing is the older son, the elder brother, throwing caution to the wind and going out to search for the younger brother and saying, I'll bring him, Father, I'll bring him home no matter what. If it kills me, I'll bring him home. And the parable doesn't have that because in, in the, where, is the elder, where is the true elder brother? He's telling the parable. It's Jesus. Who is the one going out? Who is the son of the father going out, pursuing, rescuing, coming to you actively? You may sense it even in your life. What is God doing in my life? It's Jesus coming and pursuing you to bring you home. That's what you've been experiencing. I love this quote from your worship guide where Tim Keller, as he writes about this story, puts it simply. He says, our true elder brother paid our debt on the cross in our place. There, Jesus was stripped naked of his robe and dignity. You catch the connection to the robe in the story? Jesus was stripped naked of his robe and dignity so that we could be clothed with the dignity and standing we don't deserve. On the cross, Jesus was treated as an outcast so that we could be brought into God's family freely by grace. There Jesus drank the cup of eternal justice so that we might have the cup of the Father's joy. Remember those cups clinking up here during the story? There is no other way for the heavenly Father to bring us in except at the expense of our true elder brother. There it is. There's where the search is happening. You feel it? Is, is Jesus seeking you out? Henry Nowen writes about this as well. He wrote a book, um, I think, decade or two earlier than Tim Keller, and he says, he hits on the same thing. In this perspective, he says, the story of the prodigal son takes on a whole new dimension. Jesus, the beloved of the father, leaves his father's home 
to take on the sins of God's wayward children and bring them home. That's the dynamic that has to make its way to you. The true elder brother gladly bears your burdens. That's the way the gospel works. If you, you know, you're, not, you're not going to understand the uniqueness of the Christian faith if you can't meet Jesus in that way, if you can't let him meet you. This, this incredible text from the Old Testament that Christians learned to see as pouring forth truths that would only be eventually understood by looking at the life and, and death and resurrection of Jesus. It's Isaiah 53, the suffering servant text. And listen to just this one line. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Where's our burden go? Where's all that angst? All that tension? Jesus carries it. That's Isaiah 53. And so to discover God's love that way lifts the burdens off your shoulder. Christians are people who, think about it this way, Christians are people not who, oh, they should serve their poor neighbors. Christians are people who can serve their poor neighbors. You see the difference? And in a sense, you really are getting the Christian faith wrong. I mean, it's okay, you know. You might burn out, it's okay, you know, you're doing some good things. But if you're doing it, if you're serving others in need around you because you should and you haven't discovered yet, I'm going to do this because I can. If you don't, haven't sensed that description, you're, you're carrying a burden and you might not even identify it yet. Christians are not people who should live sacrificial lives, but who can live sacrificial lives. Not people who should become foster parents, but who can, Right? Enter in, we made a kind of a big deal about um, Dan and Stephanie up front. Why? Because it illustrates the gospel. Willingly carry some burdens that are out there in the world and walk into it willingly. Why? Because we should? No, because we can, once the gospel takes root. Christians are people who should give more money away than other people. No, who can be more free and generous with what they have. People People who should have hope amidst suffering. No, people who can have hope amidst their suffering. That's the good news of Christianity. Everyone can hear this message. The burden is already dealt with and carried off your shoulders. You are free to be helpful and to be a true elder brother in this world. You know, we don't prescribe this. We don't prescribe the ways, but we look for examples of it and we hold them up and we say, look at this. Let me end with one of those. And, and this is even just a, just a, this is a subtle one. This isn't a, a dramatic example. This is just the su- kind of the subtle stuff that, ex- that you can see in someone's life when the burden has been lifted off. This is Henry Nouwen talking in the same book about the prodigal son, about a friend of his. He says, I have a friend who is so deeply connected with God that he can see joy where I expect only sadness. He travels much and meets countless people. When he returns home, I always expect him to tell me about the difficult economic situation of the countries he visited, about the great injustice he heard about, about the pain he has seen. But even though he is very aware of the great upheaval of the world, he seldom speaks of it. 
when he shares his experience, he tells about the hidden joys he has discovered. He tells about a man, a woman, a child who brought him hope and peace. He tells about little groups of people who are faithful to each other in the midst of all the turmoil. He tells about the small wonders of God. At times I realize that I am disappointed because I want to hear the newspaper news. Exciting, exhilarating stories that can be talked about among friends, but he never responds to my need for sensationalism. He keeps saying, I saw something very small and very beautiful, something that gave me much joy. If we, if we, if we can let our burdens be carried by God, we can start to see the world that way as well. Let us pray. Dear God, your grace is so big, so much bigger than our ability to comprehend. So, so difficult and elusive often because it's unfair and we like things to be fair. And so we sit here and we are in all different places in relation to you. Some of us just desperately want to earn our way to you and we don't even know any other way to find you other than to try to earn our way to you. Some of us sit here with a parental burden that just marks our life. And from wherever we sit this morning, we pray that you do the mysterious work of your spirit to help us to see what burdens we have and then to slowly give you, deputize you, to start loosening the straps and the ropes and taking it away from us. We don't even know how to live without them, but we're going to trust you. And we're going to seek to lay some things before you, even as we come forward to the communion table in a little bit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.